Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a great company called That Pitch. Have you ever had some leftover song ideas you just didn't know what to do with? Or maybe you needed to flex that writing muscle, but you still need to get paid. Enter That Pitch, a sync licensing company that pitches your productions directly to their exclusive list of clients. That Pitch has already paid out over $120,000 to its members since October of 2020. They provide production advice, business training, and other resources to make your songs better. Go to thatpitch.com to sign up and use the code HANGOUT for 20% off your monthly or yearly subscription. This is an After School Program podcast. Welcome to the Home Studio Hangout podcast, where we explore what it's like building, running, and working out of a home studio with your hosts, Joshua Mautetuck, Andrew Simmons, and many guests in different areas of the music industry. And welcome back to the Home Studio Hangout podcast with your boy, Ahadru, and your other boy. Dude, if you ever do that again, I'm quitting. (laughs) It's not going to be the Home Studio Hangout. It's just going to be the Home Studio because you're going to be all alone. The Home Studio. (laughs) Sponsored by Aha Sparkling Water. Yeah. Just kidding. We can't get a sponsorship if we wanted one. I know. Well, we do want one. That made no sense. I'm tired. It's 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it's your boy, Drew, and it's your other boy, Josh, yeah. hanging out on a Tuesday night. This is the home studio hangout at night, chilling. It's like Nick at night, but without George Lopez waking you up at three in the morning. With with a low rider. <laughs> Dude, I feel like, like, do they still play... Like the, they have to, right? I hope that they do because if not, that means there's an entire generation of kids who like don't know. Well, actually, no. Here's the deal: even if they did, most kids are watching Netflix anyway. Exactly, dude. No one's watching TV at the middle of the night like that. People are binge watching anime. I yeah. am one of those people. Yeah, I'm one of those people. <laughs> what are you watching right now? Uh, I'm rewatching Shippuden. Very nice. I still need to finish it. Like I'm, I'm like almost through it. Almost through it. But, like, I I like to really pay attention to Naruto because of how, like, advanced the character development is. Mm -hmm. So, like, I have to be in, like, the right headspace to, like, watch that show. Lately, Uh, I've just been, like, picking random animes and they're just, like, background music while I, like, you know, screw around on my phone. Nice. But uh, I I went on a documentary kick again because, like, my my taste in, in television is anime, documentaries... And like early two thousands, like silly comedies, slapstick and, well, comedy and, stuff. Yeah, and like nineties stuff. You know, yeah. like anything, like all the old Adam Sandler stuff is just like <laughs> heck yeah, so perfect to me. So, um, I've been reading this book. I've been going through Power of Habit. Very that nice. Is, it's been recommended to me by so many people. So, um, I've had it for a while, also. But, um, yeah, that's I need to. Maddie gave me a whole book on like the extra lore of Kakashi, (laughs) so I gotta read that. And then I have a book on existentialism that I gotta finish. There you go, and that minimalism book, yeah. I, dude, I have so many books I need to read, dude. Heck yeah, we'll get through them one day. Um, today we're talking about one of Josh's current favorite subjects, I think. I've I've heard you talk about this more, and you've texted me about this more than I think anything else, other than maybe hyper pop snares. I never text you about hyper pop snares because I found all my hyper pop snares. <laughs> shout shout out to Umru. Yeah, the I will. Uh, yeah, I will say this is probably the most one of the most talked about subjects between the two of us. Well, not only that, but, like, I see it everywhere, too. Dude, people talk about it so much. It's one of the most talked about forum topics, for sure. Yeah, I feel like 99% of the time I see people talking about gear, it's always about, like, what preamp should I use with this microphone and Mm -hmm. XYZ. Exactly. So today, we're going to be talking about vocal chains. Um, 
kind of gear related, but kind of, I don't know. It's going to be a little bit of gear, a little bit of mindset, a little bit of approach from each of us because we kind of, we both approach things a little differently. And then we also have some instances of some other people that we've worked with or seen work um, that do different things from what we do for, you know, kind of similar ideas, approach or um, end goal, you know, goal in mind. Um, so firstly, um, maybe for those who are newer that don't kind of understand what we mean, uh, what's a vocal chain, Josh? Vocal chain is whatever comes between your microphone and your converter. And your microphone being a part of that vocal chain also. Yeah. It's so, the whole kit and caboodle. And, and so and, like, I feel like there's always like everybody has their thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Benny Blanco says he always uses a Manly Ref C into a Chandler TG2 into an 1176. And it's just like, that's what works for him. And that's what he'll always use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the C800 uh BAE 1073 and a CL1B is like super popular in hip hop. It's like one of the most tried and true chains out there. Um and then you have some things where some people will just run directly into their Apollo. Some people will have um an EQ and use two compressors instead of one. So like there's a lot of different things that people do and there's different like approaches and reasons behind mm-hmm. it all. Yeah. So um, one, one aspect I kind of want to touch on up front, uh, because you do this, a mix of these two, but, um, a lot of the stuff you just mentioned is mainly analog gear, but I will say that a vocal chain doesn't necessarily have to just be like hardware analog gear, um, or hardware in general. It could also be, um, especially if you have, uh, an antelope audio system or a universal audio system apogee or, now too. or an apogee yeah they have the digital um the digital uh mixer boards or, or consoles that's what they're called the digital consoles uh within the uh system itself that allows you to record and or monitor um, a vocal chain or chain in general without using your computer's dsp or uses the dsp from the interface uh making it i mean every time i've used it it's been ridiculously fast i've never had an issue of latency yeah i think you do more than me too yeah no it because like because all these interfaces are based on thunderbolt like you're down to almost zero latency Mm -hmm. and then the ones that aren't thunderbolt are typically like pcie cards so and even then, those are crazy fast too. I, I there's a uh, my buddy Shane who we had on the podcast, the drum one of the drum guys that we had on. Uh, he tracks drums through a P, P, uh, PCI card. That's what our studio has. Um, yeah, it's has really the, sick. Yeah, he has the Lynx card, um, mm. and it's just it's just superior but like you know thunderbolt's so fast that it's essentially the same thing that's why Mm -hmm. like you can use external gpus and stuff now yeah so um so yeah this also kind of we'll kind of touch on both uh and i think you kind of have a mixed system from what i understand you kind of have like depending on where you are depend is dependent on what you use but you have a system that kind of utilizes both um, so let's kind of start with generally what is the beginning of the chain. So, uh, that's the microphone first thing and foremost, right? Microphone first thing and foremost. Um, we actually, we're not going to talk too much about this because the first episode of this podcast, we did like an hour and 45 minutes on just microphones, <laughs> uh, deep dives on microphones, what the capsules are like different types why you would need them recommendations for stuff uh i think josh might have actually changed some of his recommendations josh if you want to talk about your mic quick mic a quick a quick journey through your microphone journey lewitt is the only microphone brand that matters (laughs) and it's not the microphone i'm talking into right now yeah but yeah lewitt all the way uh after comparing all these different options i ended up buying a lewitt lct 840 
Um, one, because it was a third of the price of the two microphones I was considering. And two, because it was probably the safest yet also like most done sounding microphone that I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a very sparkly top end for the pop music, but it doesn't have like a lot of sustain in the top end as far, and it's not super, super saturated. Um, so we actually ended up using it over a real Telefunken 251, which is a $10,000 microphone and the Lewitt was only a thousand, yeah. um, just because it, it's safer and, mm-hmm you know, a little bit of EQ and it's just as good, if not better, depending on what the application is. I feel like, I feel like in the, in the situation that we used it, which was a pop rap hip hop vocal, um, it got the desired effect at the microphone while not being too bright. Like the telephone can sometimes can be, uh, on certain words or phrases or things like that, or certain voices. Um, and if we wanted it to be any brighter to kind of match the similar uh, top end of the Telefunken, just use a little analog EQ on the top of it and it kind of just opened yeah. it right up in a similar way. So what I noticed is like whenever you're kind of pushing everything, it maintains its high end transients easier. So mm. I, I really like it about that microphone. Um, I used it on screaming vocals and I don't know where I screwed up in the vocal chain. Um because I was running a pretty clean preamp. So I can't tell you if it was my tube compressor or if it was the microphone that was distorting, but it sounded terrible. Um, (laughs) But also the vocalist had a really weird voice where they just had like a hole in their frequency. Oh, really? Or their voice. Yeah, like like it was like like your typical vocal kind of like peaks and then it dips and then it comes back up. Mm -hmm. His was doing that, but then at like one and a half K, it just like pulled out. That's weird. He had like a hole in his voice. I couldn't really feel it. That's so really weird. I, I, it, it was probably just the vocalist. Yeah. Um, but definitely for, for singing and if you want, I mean, like you said, it's what, $1,000? Yeah, it's it's only $1,000. That's crazy. Like a $10,000 mic. Yeah. So. so yeah, it's that's a steal by comparison and to have the flexibility and everything. But I don't want to go too deep into microphones for sure. Yeah. But I know Josh... From episode one to this would be episode 39, uh, Josh has made a large, massive journey through t- testing and trying out a bunch of different stuff and yeah. went through. And, hey, I'm, I'm like, I, I literally can't be happier with it. Like, I have no intention of getting, um, like, another microphone unless if, like, I'm just making buku bucks and mm-hmm. I can afford to get, like, a C800. Yeah, it's know? more of a flex mic. <laughs> Right, you know, so yeah. like I, I just don't see a point in getting anything else. Exactly, and, uh, you got your workhorse mic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, I think that. So first things first, starting at the microphone, and then generally, what next? What comes next in the vocal chain, Josh? We got to get that yet. microphone up. The preamp. Yeah, we got to get that microphone up to gain I level. Like I feel like I'm watching Dora uh, the Explorer right now. <laughs> we got to get that microphone up to gain level. And we talked about this a little bit. I think we talked about this a little bit in that episode. But there is like a certain amount of gain that is required from microphones to get to the next section, which is like compressors and EQs um, to get those to read the microphone you have to get that gain up because <laughs> i don't know if i think we did talk about this because uh if you've ever tried plugging a microphone directly into a compressor it's just not gonna work <laughs> there's not gonna be anything it's not nothing's gonna happen um but also in the instance of your mic you'll need phantom power so all of that'll happen in the preamp um what preamps are you landing on right now as far as hardware goes we'll talk about software yeah so right now um when i'm at home i just use my apollo um Mm -hmm. so i got the mic out of the way so i'm currently trying to put together a vocal chain um if it was up to me i would just get a normal rack but because i'm traveling a lot i want to get a 500 series unit which is smaller and um so that's where i'm running into issues because all of the pieces that i want uh typically only come in 
a full 19 inch rack. Yeah. And I was going to say, <laughs> so. so to explain the 500 series stuff, cause I actually didn't know about the 500 series stuff until I worked at a larger studio. Um, so most of the time when you see rack stuff, it's like the big wide, uh, rack, you know, what you think of as rack gear normally, you know, big left to right, probably like foot and a half or something foot long. They're like, 19 inches long. Yeah. 19 inch long. Um, pieces of gear and they're generally like one or two rack spaces you know tall uh the 500 series are like i don't know tiny they're like less than six inches they got to be less than six inches they're yeah i I have one up on my computer i'm gonna look at the yeah look at the dimension but they're they're so instead of being horizontal they're actually vertical which is really cool and what they do is they can put a lot of the same components from these larger scale pieces into a, a more compact system, especially for people that are working from home. Like a lot of us are, this is a game changer, dude, because yeah. you can, you can buy, you know, you may not want to have this huge desk full of all of these massive pieces of rack gear. The 500 series allows you to buy um, a lunchbox. Um, a bunch of people make them, Essentially, a lunchbox is just like a box that powers the 500 series units, yeah, uh, and connects allows you to connect to them. And yeah, you can slot in, mix and match a bunch of different types of pieces, and it's yeah. super cool. It's really cool. And then the racks themselves are like a whole nother rabbit hole because you have all the different routing options, they have mm-hmm. stereo linking capabilities. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, by the way, they're five and a quarter inches high. That's crazy small. One and a half inches wide. That's yeah, so, crazy small. Yeah, they're pretty dope. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where like you you're able to basically build the perfect chain as long as like those same things are available. Like I basically what i was planning on purchasing was just a uh was a bae 1073 running into a distressor i can't find a good clean compressor um that like i really really like so i'm kind of leaning towards a couple different units Mm -hmm. um for the 500 series that is but uh i think i'm gonna like kind of go towards a cleaner preamp um okay this time around to get started so uh are you leaning SSL, are you leaning? Yeah, so basically the main contenders right now are a Chandler TG2, um, okay. which is definitely not clean. Uh, no, but 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 the character that is essentially pop music right now. Yeah, like I, I know that that's like one of the biggest uh, pop preamps out there. Um, uh, obviously a BA 1073 is still in the running. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of like weird about committing to like the 1073 sound because like I feel like it doesn't work for every vocalist. Um, I would so want to hear it likely, on your mic. I think that's the mo- most important thing. I would want to hear it on your mic first. Yeah. Well, the one I'm probably going to get is the Neve 511 because it's a super, super clean preamp, but then it has a silk function. Mm-hmm. Um, it's labeled as texture and it lets you blend in some saturation and uh, it sounds nearly identical to a 1073. I compared them side by side, and it was super, super close to the point where I literally only went for the 1073 clone because I like the EQ on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, that's. I mean, that's a good point. And I feel like it's also cheaper. Yeah, that well, that's the other thing. So it's almost four hundred dollars cheaper. Than I was going to say the, the, the a huge difference between the normal rack units and the why another reason why you would go five hundred series is the five hundred series are like a quarter of the price sometimes of the normal so units. What What's funny though is so if you were to get a Chandler TG two and then the Chandler EQ and then a two space rack. Or a three space, depending on which. You're almost at the same price as the Chandler, like the rack mount one. Mm-hmm. And you get more EQ options in the rack mount one. So yeah. like it just depends on what you're getting. Um, and so I wouldn't really recommend just to like get a 500 series just to buy everything from the same brand because there's probably yeah. a channel strip they make that does it all already. The cool, the cool thing front that is the 500 series, especially with vocal chains, is the ability for it to be modular, for you to mix and match. Oh, I want 
the Chandler preamp, but I like the the EQ on the on the Neve, right? I like yeah. the Neve. I like the top end on the Neve EQ, uh, and then I maybe I want to go CL1B style compression, uh, which I've been trying to find and it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but you know, or maybe you want to go 1176 style compression, right? Yeah, and like they they make those as options, and then you're kind of piecing together a really and this is something else when we'll talk about i think we can kind of move into the mentality aspect of it but the moving building your your 500 series stuff that way and even building out your rack units or your vocal chain in general kind of says a lot about you as a vocal producer and like the way that you do things yeah and so like i i think what you what it basically boils down to whenever you're doing vocals is like how like transparent is your microphone how transparent is your preamp and then how transparent is your compressor because it's like if all three of those things are super clean like if you're running like say like something that's super sparkly like a ref c um or even this bh2 Mm -hmm. (laughs) into uh you know like a super clean preamp and then running that into a super clean compressor then you're better off just using your apollo nine out of ten times yeah exactly. like you're not going to notice a huge difference um especially if it's apollo um you know and so like that's something like right now i'm using the neve preamp um from apollo and mm-hmm. then i'm using the 1176 se so uh side by side there isn't going to be like a massive difference where i tend to like after comparing this stuff throughout each session that I do, I notice the biggest differences that I find are with compressors and EQs. Um, so I, I'm trying to like just get a preamp that's going to work with most things, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I've, you know, like a 511 would be a great choice because mm-hmm. it's flexible. It has a high-pass filter on it too, yeah. which is great. And then from there, now you have your choice of, you know, what kind of EQ do you want? Well, I really want a Paltex style EQ. What, sorry, my dryer is going off. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like, you know, what kind of uh, compressor do I want? Well, at the studio, I typically use a uh, retro instrument style level, um, which is a pretty dirty compressor, but you're able to hit at like negative 20 dB gain reduction on mm-hmm. the slow settings. And it sounds like the mic came that way. So... Retro Instruments makes a 500 series compressor called the Double Wide, which I believe is modeled after its 176, not the style level. But mm-hmm. um, so you're able to still get that that vibe. They also make a preamp that gives you the same heaviness that you get out of their compressors, but then you can run a cleaner compressor with it. So yeah. it's really cool having all these different options. And what I've kind of boiled it down to is like, finding your starting point and then after that it's like well you can always build more of these yeah well <laughs> you know? and the other thing is like knowing this is i think this is a, this is a big thing is knowing what you want out of your vocal chain right so um a lot of times you might think that you want to move in one direction and then you might backpedal i know you've had that that you know move where you like I think I want a really bright mic do, or maybe I want a darker mic and I want to, I want to do all of my brightening and post or with a EQ, um, like an outboard EQ, uh, kind of figuring out all of that. And the cool thing about the 500s and really all of this in general is testing out what you like, getting the mic set first. Do you want bright vocals? Do you want dark vocals? It's a lot of it's dependent on what you do. I know you, specifically like really bright stuff you want a very pop sound you yeah but you you also want a sound that is that is uniquely you right yeah and so like that's something that i've really realized um as i keep switching it up every time i go back to track vocals it's like my goal is for the most transparent sound like i want the vocalist to sound like they're in the room with you so like yeah, like I want a brighter vocal because like I want that I want that feeling that they're like singing into your ear most of the time for like mm-hmm. the more upfront stuff. So like all it takes is for you to like move that high end EQ once on a not so ideal microphone and all of a sudden you're just like, "Oh my god, like I need to like rethink this." 
because mm-hmm. I did that and it was a blast running a ton of DSers and EQ <laughs> to try to fix it whenever I was mixing the song. Yeah. So, you know, right now it's just how can I get enough like saturation without it being too much? And then how can I get enough uh, compression without it being too much? And how can I get it to be the type of compression that I want it to be? Yeah. And like I said, finding that flavor and then figuring out ways to, I think this is what you were saying by the preamp thing, but finding ways to accentuate that flavor, right? So finding a flavor of whatever you like, try a bunch of different compressors, through you know maybe you want to go clean preamp and then let's hit preamp and compressor first right and then so you get a clean preamp and you try a bunch of different very heavy-handed very different sounding compressors and then you find one that you really really like all right cool now let's either swap out that preamp or maybe you like the preamp but let's like try a couple of our options to see if we can like make that compressor sound even better right or maybe we stick with the preamp because we like it clean just in case we want to change it out for other stuff. But then we find an EQ that like accentuates that compressor maybe even more uh, and kind of elevates it. You know, that that's where like that's the kind of the mentality I think that we're we're talking about when we're talking about vocal chains as a whole. You know, we're kind of going for that like let's build Let's build the thing. So like you said, you know Benny Blanco's chain because he's like, I always use this, right? Like you want to build, you want to build Josh's chain. That's yeah. like, I will always use this. This yeah. is the go-to. And, and uh, yeah, so like there's like a few different like configurations I'm leaning towards right now. But ultimately, like I think what's important is like figuring out like how you like to work with it because Whenever I get a vocal, like I want it to basically be 90% of the way there. I don't want to have to compress too much more. I don't want um I don't want to have to like DS a ton. Mm-hmm. So like that's wherever like saturation comes into play. And then I also don't want to uh have like a super boomy bass or like I don't want the compression to be off. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like what I, how I was talking about the retro, like I want it to sound like the mic came came that way. Yeah. So uh, it, it's tough, like making those decisions without actually sitting down and like playing around with it. The one thing I do know is I hate whenever a vocal is super, super inconsistent. And then I also hate whenever vocals are so overbaked that like you can hear the expansion. I wasn't sure what I was hearing. So I put mm-hmm. this in the group chat. Um, best example is the latest Skrillex song with Justin and Don Tolliver on it. Okay. And um I'll have to go Justin, listen to that one. Justin's vocal is like perfect. It's like the ideal vocal. Bro, he's got a great chain. Speaking of a good vocal chain, that's Benny's chain, I think. Mm-mm. But is that not Benny's chain? Who who's no. he tracking? Uh Josh Goodwin tracks his stuff. Oh, that's most right. Of the Josh time. Goodwin tracks yeah. his stuff. They yeah. typically use like a C eight hundred or a yeah. two fifty one on them. I don't they, know what it is, but regardless, like Josh's got Josh's chain is sick if you want a good vocal chain. Listen to that. And he's the and he's the best mixing engineer in the world. For real. Um <laughs> if you listen to his vocals, you could hear every transient in the top end without it being aggressive. Mm-hmm. And whenever Don comes in, it sounds like it's just completely squashed. And there's this weird like sustain in the high end of the vocal because it's so squashed. And I was informed that that is called expansion that I am. Hearing. Oh, where it's like bumping everything up in the top end because it's compressing everything else down. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So my goal is to just make it sound as natural as possible. And that's kind of hard to do sometimes because... With 500 series, sometimes there is a pretty solid trade-off with the convenience of it, and it doesn't always sound the way that the rack gear does. True. So it's kind of tough. Yeah. Um, what I've been finding is, uh, you know, just trying to balance clean versus saturation and going from there. But I think uh, 
you know, a lot of people overthink these things. I think a lot of people don't think about them enough. Like there was a guy in the Matt Rad Discord. He was like, yeah, you know, I have this almost $4,000 microphone and like, it's just this weird mid-range that I don't like. And it's because he was running a U87 into a 1073. So he was running a mid-heavy microphone. Into a mid-heavy preamp. Into a mid-heavy preamp. That'll do it. The BH2 I'm talking into right now sounds really good through a 1073 because it's so bright. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what my Lua will sound like. Yeah. I, I, for those who don't know, I, I don't have my Lua. I left it in Atlanta. <laughs> so I'm coming back to get it. <laughs> we'll be back together in a couple it's weeks. It's going to be so much fun, dude. I know, dude. Um, so I am a person, unlike Josh, who has a very simple vocal chain, but I also approach, I am not a vocal producer. So I also approach vocals from a very different way. Right. Um, in, so Josh is, I would consider more of a true vocal producer where he's like, I want to produce out the track, but I'm going to track your vocal the way I want it to be tracked. And I want to bake my sound into it. Yeah, I'm right. weird about vocals, man. I've had yeah, people hit me up for remote work lately, and I'm like, is there any way you could come here? Or, like, I could come out to you because, like, I, I can't handle this, man. Someone's yeah. going to – they're going to be like, oh, I have a buddy who could do it, and they're going to go cut nah, it on an SM7, nah. and I'm going to get the vocal, and I'm just going to be like, you know what? Here's a refund. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I very much am a stickler for – I have my vocal chain, which my vocal, my vocal chain is what you're hearing me through right now. Um it's well not always the sm7b the sm7b is just my podcast vocal chain and like what i use for streaming and stuff but um it's a microphone whatever it might be i'm actually about to be in the market for another microphone so i'm about to go through josh's (laughs) i'm about to go through josh's entire thing i'm probably honestly gonna start with the lewitt you you should because you're gonna love it and uh, we need to get them to sponsor us because True. I literally want all of their mics. And I, or I, had, and I'm gonna borrow. Um, I'm gonna borrow Lee, Lee Rouse. Shout out. Um, said that I could use his, uh, his. Oh, what's it called? The the microphone that works with UAD console. The Townsend. The Townsend mic. So it's I'm very, sphere. I'm a very interested, do people sleep on that mic? I'm very interested in that microphone um, for a couple different reasons, mostly for the flexibility. And that's what I'm trying to get at is my stuff is a microphone into my Avalon uh, 737 SP, VT737SP, uh, which is a channel strip, uh, mono channel strip. It's preamp, compressor, uh, EQ all-in-one strip uh and it is very very clean and i love it honestly i think it's really great i think that the eq sounds very musical i think the compressor is very very subtle i don't like baking in a ton of compression into a vocal uh i like to have a really subtle vocal more of a control like compression you know just a little bit, taking off edges of stuff, making sure nothing crazy happens. Uh, and then I do all of my heavier compression in the box after the fact. Um, so yeah, what you're hearing right now is pretty much my vocal chain, which I think sounds really good. Uh, I do a lot of hip hop. So a 7B works pretty good for hip hop stuff uh, for what I do. And, you know, I make a living on it and it sounds pretty good. But I am getting to the point now where it's starting to get out of my range and I need to get a new vocal mic. Uh, But I'm more going for flexibility in mine because most of what I'm doing is I have no idea who's going to be coming in. I do a bunch of different genres lately. Like I've been doing a bunch of different stuff. So I don't... Like I'm uh, I'm doing an EDM project. So super bright everything uh but then i'm also doing like a country thing it kind of sounds like tyler childers so very like almost lo-fi country you know it's very like gritty and old sounding so i need that to sound like a really specific way 
Um, then I've been doing some post hardcore stuff and screaming like metalcore music and all that kind of stuff. So it runs the gambit. Um, so I need pure flexibility because I need to make it sound the way I need it to sound in the box. So whereas Josh is very much focusing in on, I do pretty much like pop, hyper pop, and some like R&B, like R&B leaning like pop music. That's pretty much, that's pretty much what you're, what you're kind of leaning into now. So, um, you know, you're kind of gearing away from the rock and metal core stuff. So you, that's why you can do such a really specific vocal chain. You know, because you're very focused, whereas I am more of a producer that does a bunch of different stuff. So I need pure flexibility. And that's why I have a very clean, flat kind of everything channel strip. And then, uh, you know, just go into my Apollo, which we both use Apollos. Some people don't like them. Some people like them. If it's good enough for Kenny Beats. It's good enough for me. Basically. That's what I say. That's what I say. But, um, um, yeah, I think I think another thing to be said about it though is like typically, typically people don't need these things. Like I don't, I don't nope. exactly need an entire vocal chain. Nope. And but mm-hmm. I, I want to get one because it saves me time and like mm-hmm. as a, like I don't know I charge well, so much money I feel like I should be able to produce a vocal well and that's what that i was gonna say great, let's get right into like bat. why we would want a vocal chain in the first place because we've talked about it a lot like why would we want one in the first place yeah it really for me it really just comes down to like i want that extra like okay how about this i think that software is so close nowadays that like you're only gaining like an extra 10 percent mm-hmm. like lewis bell is known for plugging a c800 directly into his apollo twin and he's got his entire vocal chain, I'm pretty sure, on his console, right? The console's for summing. No, 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 no. The con- like the, the UAD console. Doesn't he use a UAD? Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah. in his UAD console, doesn't he have his whole vocal chain, like, digital? I think so. I'm really not entirely sure, to be honest with you. You can double but check that course Also, that. like, you know, when Manny's mixing your stuff, you don't have to worry too much. Fair. But, um... Uh, yeah. I mean, also like, it's like a brilliant microphone. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I I think most of the time, like, all you should really worry about is what mic you're using, and then after that, it's just not not over baking things. Um, and if you're gonna be buying expensive gear, just make sure it's not so clean that you can get the same results from you know your UAD console. Yep. yep. Mine, I just really like the EQ. And the compressor is for, I like baking compression. I think analog compression just does sound a little better. You like like you said, so it's harder. that 10%. Yeah. It's just that, it's that little extra something that like separates. The only digital compressor that comes close is honestly the Slate Custom Opto. See, and I don't have any Slate stuff. So, and I have no desire to have Slate stuff right now. It's like the only it's like the only compressor in my opinion. Yeah. So the I will say that that's a very good point. Like you don't really need a lot of this stuff to do anything. Like realistically, you could just mic into interface and then you could build your chain with plugins and have just run really low latency like in Ableton. And just have plugins on your channel that while you're tracking. Yeah. Um, it works. Uh, it's not the best way to do it or most streamlined. But, I mean, why not, right? I mean, it works. If it works, it works. And if it works for you, then why I can't tell you to not do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if it works for you, then heck yeah, keep doing it. And until you f- want to change something because... Do you think something might sound better? Um, but we're just kind of giving all of the stuff that we've been talking about can be done in multiple different ways, right? Like it can be done hardware, like we've been talking about. It can be done through software in Ableton or in Pro Tools or in whatever. It can be done in software, like we said, in a console, 
whether it's UAD Antelope or I think you said Apogee. Apogee started? Yeah. So those three, I think, are the only three that have like a console. Yeah. I think those are the only three that have like an external console. Um, these are just like guideline, general guidelines of like how to approach a good vocal chain, why you would want one, kind of the things that make it up. Um, there's actually one thing that we haven't talked about yet, Josh, that you use a lot in your vocal chain. And that's tuning. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't even... I, I, I actually think people don't think about the fact that that's a thing. So yeah, maybe talk about I, um, that a little bit. Like dive into that a little bit. Everybody loves Melodyne, but I can't stand it because I'm really bad at using it and it never sounds right to me. So I 90% of the time, I only use auto-tune in graph mode. And then whenever that gets to be a little bit too much, then I switch over to Vary Audio and Cubase because it's just part... Actually, I just had to do that from the session on Sunday. Well, I don't even mean like post-tuning. I'm talking about like tracking, like tuning while you're tracking. Uh, I don't do that. I just monitor with tune on. See, I know a lot of... I know No, that's what I'm talking about, monitoring with it on. Yeah, so I, I, I use... Basically, whenever I'm here, I'm only recording the preamp sound of my Apollo. Mm -hmm. And then all my effects and stuff like that, they aren't baked in anymore because I just run all of my tune there so then I can monitor with tune on. Um, it's cool because like it gives vocalists an extra confidence. It's really great for me whenever I'm exhausted and have to figure out harmonies. Um, and uh, the only downfall to it is that naturally... Uh, you're going to get much worse raw vocal takes. <laughs> but if it gets people out of their head and to stop worrying about their pitch, then you're going to get a better performance. Yeah, and that's something from a from a getting takes perspective is within reason, you can kind of make any vocal sound tuning-wise the way it needs to sound. Um as long as the performance is there, as long as the delivery is there, you know what I mean? It, yep. it can, you can make it sound like whatever melody you need it to sound like. As long yeah. as it sounds like they mean it. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, like that's another thing. Like the reason why I like to have an analog vocal chain is simply because it gets me to the finished product way quicker. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also able to spend less time you know, fumbling around in ozone or whatever I'm using on my vocal. And I could spend more time like on effects because mm -hmm. I feel like the most overlooked thing with vocals is like the actual effects. There's a really great video on YouTube of, um, oh, I forget his name. And the Ships? guy, no, it's, it's the guy who did, uh, the weekend's last record. He's going through like all of the vocal effects. And I kid you not, he had like 20 plugins on like one Ableton rack. And like That's sick, hearing it, it just like blew me away. Outrageous by the audibles. I remember hearing those vocal effects and I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not putting enough thought into this. And so now that's something that I could do because I don't have to worry about like, oh, well, let me hurry up and like mix this real quick. It's like, oh, it's in the box. It's yeah. already mixed. Well, it's, that's, it, it's that's the other thing. <laughs> like watching, if you haven't watched the songwriter doc josh recommended it to me uh it is the ed sheeran documentary of them making divide um the album that came out in i don't remember when that album came out but it's got a, like a bunch of hits on it and it's basically just ed sheeran and benny blanco traveling around making a bunch of writing a bunch of songs and stuff and the cool thing about it is like the the vocal chain is set once they have an idea and they track it, like they have instant feedback. They don't have, he doesn't have to go, oh, is that compression setting right? Oh, is that EQ set? Like, oh, this sounds a little weird. You know what I mean? Like they get that instantaneous feedback of, is this part good? They track it and they hit play and see if it, see if it works. Eh, not quite good. Let's rewrite that part. You know what I mean? It, it from a creative standpoint, it's like, less roadblocks to get in your way 
so that you can just keep kind of being creative and not have to worry about the technical aspect of getting your vocal chain right. Yep. Yeah, I think um, we'll probably start to land the plane here, Josh, because we've been running for a good minute. I'm tired. And... Huh? And <laughs> you're tired. I still have some I still have some other videos to edit. So um but I think some good takeaways. Let's talk about some good takeaways from this. Some good takeaways is, you know, generally what a vocal chain is, but also, you know, that that is a thing that you can do is pre have a predetermined like set of plugins or rack gear or something like that to help you in speed of making like creation. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Take what I do with the Avalon easy. Take what you do with what you're building with your 500 series, what you, or what you have in your Apollo setup. Even if it's just something that you're monitoring through, like your Apollo setup um, just gives you that extra confidence or to get the delivery, right? You know, I feel like that's something that people don't really think about. Um, what's another? What's a, what's something else that you want people to kind of walk away with this? Oh man, walk I, away. I I think there's a lot. I think that like, um, something I've been doing is like I'll bake effects in onto my in- inputs, so then that way, like even though it's not outboard gear, like I'm printing the um, the plugin through my input I, mm-hmm. you can't i don't think you could do it in ableton you could do it in cubase and i know you could do it in logic because i got the idea from oakfelder um i don't think you could do it in pro tools like you don't have faders for your inputs in pro tools right no yeah so you probably can't do it in there but basically in cubase you know i have uh two inputs plus my virtuals they're all in my mixer and then I will go ahead and just put on like virtual mix rack and I'll do my EQ and then my um, compressor and then I'll just bake them in to the vocal. Um, so I'll just like track it dry, mix it to where I like it and then just move that plug in over. So then everything is just automatically printed. That's really um, cool. Yeah, it saves me a lot of time. Plus, I, I really do like how custom Opto sounds. So like that's been a blast. Um and, you know, it's less CPU intensive. It gives you less things to mess around with. That's another, like, really cool thing about analog gear is, like, you can't, like, you have to commit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I've been about committing uh, constantly lately. For sure. Um, you know, I, as soon as I do something in MIDI, I like to print it out. Unless if I'm just, like, making beats for fun, then I'll just leave everything MIDI. But, like, whenever I'm producing or whenever I'm doing, you know, something a little bit more serious... I'm just all about committing and uh, that's been really great. I feel like I'm 10 times faster now because I'm not just like going back and tweaking things constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a, especially applicable for this whole conversation is like committing early and the idea of having a vocal, ch- the, the entire idea of having a vocal chain is literally committing as early as possible. Yeah, and then the I think the second thing that I think people should take away is just like, you're being paid to have an extra level of attention that, you know, other people don't. And I think that, you know, on one hand, you have people that obsess over things um, relentlessly and it's all for nothing. Um, Well, it's mostly all for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think like, you know, simple things like in an intimate song, like I want to be able to hear every transient in the top end of a vocal. Like, I think that that's very, very important because like, when you're talking about vocals, you're talking about how people interpret how the song feels, you know, what the song is about. And, um, you know, sometimes that means it needs to sound absolutely awful, like Grief by Earl Sweatshirt. And then other times it needs to be super hi-fi and uh, brilliant. And, um, you know, I, I think it's just important to, like, take those things into consideration, which is why, like, I want things to sound done on the way in, but I also want them to sound, like, transparently done. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, after the fact, if I want to make it sound terrible, I can make it sound terrible. If I want it to sound brilliant, then it could stay where it's at. Mm-hmm. That's, a good, that's a good place. 
I think to end it, uh, Josh, thanks for coming and having a conversation about vocal chains. Always, my and you know, and you know, we'll probably come back to this in like Wait, another couple months or something like recording? that. Huh? Nope. I, I thought I thought Ableton stopped for a second, but it's uh, okay. No, I think you know we're gonna come back to this in like a couple months and kind of re-talk about vocal chains in different in a different light. Um, as we kind of maybe maybe we'll we'll come back and we'll talk specifically about 500 series gear after we get to like test more of it and try more of it and stuff like that you know as as yeah. we're you know getting modular with some of this yeah i'm still not sure if like i'm ready to uh really make the investment just yet but i definitely know kind of what i want right now mm-hmm. um but maybe that'll I, be a good conversation to come back to later yeah i gotta make a trip to vintage king at some point for sure um all that fun stuff so so yeah dude thanks for coming and hanging uh thank you everybody for listening today uh yo if you haven't followed us on instagram josh is at josh Wright songs no am, more extra s's dude i know dude i saw josh is at josh Wright songs i'm at music by drew dru the podcast is at at home studio hangout we post some cool stuff uh we share some of our past guests uh content on our page we talk about a bunch of different topics and you can stay up to date with when new episodes drop or um when we post like funny reels or josh will drop some tips every now and again uh from sunday sound design whenever he has a chance to do them uh so yeah follow us on all the socials and once again thank you listener for coming and we will see you next week Keep on creating. Until next time. Bye.